This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey guys, welcome back to the Kennedy Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host, Allison, once again. And did you notice the new music? I'm trying something out. I've always kind of liked this one that I used, the Kennedy, Kennedy, Kennedy thing. But Jeffrey talked me into the other one, which I liked it too, but... I don't know. I can't choose between the two. So I'm going to put up a poll on my Instagram. Let me know if you like my old theme song better or the new one. Just let me know. And I will keep whatever you guys vote for. So for this week's question segment, I put out a question box on Instagram and got a ton of responses. So I'm going to hold on to a bunch of them until like a bunch more weeks because I've got a ton. But I picked out a couple for today. So I'm going to answer them now. Therefore, an answer to your question First one is from PSU Gymnast 324, and it is, if you could have an entire day with one of the Kennedys, who would it be and why? If you've listened for a while, you would know I would probably say Jackie for sure, because she's my fave. Have lots of questions for her, ones that she probably wouldn't answer because she was so private, but still, that would be my answer. But if you mean living Kennedys, that's a hard one. I'm going to say probably Caroline Kennedy and If I could pick two people, Caroline and her son, Jack, because I just feel like they would have just a good time and we could just chat it up and it would be a blast. So they would be the ones I would pick. But first first and foremost, Caroline, for sure. I feel like she is just so interesting and would have just amazing things to say. And we could have some really good talks. Okay, second one I'm going to answer is from Molly S. Mosher, and it's what happened to the big house in Hyannis since Teddy died. I think I've answered this before, but it's been a really long time, so I will answer this again. Um, I actually pulled some quotes on this so that I could be completely correct, so here they are. In 2012, the main house was donated by the Kennedy family to the Edward M. Kennedy Institute for the United States Senate. The Boston-based institute released a statement announcing the transaction when it happened, which it said was in keeping with the wishes of the late senator who promised his mother the Hyannis Port home would be preserved for charitable use. The Institute said the house would host seminars and educational programs and eventually would be open to the general public. So that's what happened to the big house. Okay, I'm going to get into my topic today. So my uncle actually sent me a while back a video he found when he was doing some research before a trip he took to South Africa. And it was all about basically the origin of the Ripple of Hope speech and why Robert Kennedy was in South Africa and all that went along with it. So I did my own research on it and watched the video he sent, which was really good, and found out a lot about a really, really interesting and amazing trip that Robert Kennedy took to South Africa. So I am going to talk about that today. Robert Kennedy was invited to South Africa in 1966 by a student named Ian Robertson. He was 21 and the president of the National Union of South African Students. They were openly opposed to the policies of the apartheid regimen. So if you don't know what apartheid is, the definition in South Africa is a policy or system of segregation or discrimination on grounds of race. He wanted a speaker for an upcoming event at the University of Cape Town, and he thought that Senator Robert Kennedy, who himself continued to fight for civil rights in the U.S., would be the perfect person for it. He didn't expect Bobby to actually accept the invitation, though, as by that time, he was already assumed to become the future U.S. president, so he was already obviously a big deal. Uh, It was a huge long shot for him. But Robertson was shocked when RFK accepted the invitation, although the visit was not an easy one. 
The prominent political leader in South Africa, Hendrik Ververd, was considered the architect of apartheid, something that Robert Kennedy clearly did not agree with. So this trip seemed impossible as it clearly had anti-apartheid intentions. But South African leadership was also anti-communism. So they'd actually received some very hesitant support from the U.S. because the U.S. was dealing with all the issues with the Soviet Union. And at the time, our government considered apartheid the lesser of two evils. Because of this, Fervert approved RFK's visa because he didn't want to damage their relationship with the U.S. at the time. So Robert and Ethel went. The trip was pretty challenging for Bobby, though. The Washington Post even described his visit as being as welcomed as a mild plague. So he didn't have some magnificent welcome like you'd expect because of his obvious disagreements and oppositions for the South African government and apartheid. He made sure to connect with the people however he could despite this, though, which was very unusual for any political figure making a visit anywhere, really. He really ventured anywhere he could to see people, even places thought to be dangerous for him at the time. He'd be greeted by large crowds and make speeches from the top of his car. He toured schools and streets, connecting with South Africa's Black community to hear their struggles and shared his vision and his views. He also met and befriended Albert Latuli, who was a Nobel Peace Prize winner and leader of the ANC before it was banned in 1960. And because the schedule was so open, he was able to humbly accept modest events that meant the world to the host at the time and became a huge deal and was amazing for his reputation, too, as a leader. But the most famous moment of the trip was when he delivered his Ripple of Hope speech to around 18,000 students at UCT on June 6, 1966, which was actually exactly two years to the day before his 1968 assassination. Robertson, who invited him, was actually banned from going to the speech at all because of its anti-apartheid intentions, but Bobby made a point to visit him at a different time while he was there. The speech is considered his most famous speech. I'm going to actually play the Ripple of Hope part here. It's as moving today in our current climate as it was the day it was spoken in 1966. It is from numberless, numberless diverse acts of courage such as these, with the belief that human history is thus shaped. Each time a man stands up, for an ideal, or acts to improve the lot of others, or strikes out against injustice, he sends forth a tiny ripple of hope, and crossing each other from a million different centers of energy and daring, those ripples build a current which can sweep down the mightiest walls of oppression and resistance. The part I played of the speech is on a memorial by Bobby's grave at Arlington Cemetery, where he's buried close to JFK. I saw it when I visited a couple of years ago. Ripple of Hope is also still one of the most commonly used phrases in American politics. After the visit, Bobby wrote an article for Look Magazine titled Suppose God is Black, which was about, and I quote, South Africa's dilemma, a bright future, weighed down by dark cruelty. It was a personal report on the land of apartheid where even churches are segregated. This was the first widely circulated criticism of apartheid policies by any U.S. politician. I, probably like you, wish that we could have seen what more Bobby could have done for racial equality in not only America or South Africa, but around the world if he had been elected president of the U.S. His views and ideals are so inspiring, and honestly, we just need more people like Bobby Kennedy today. I hope you learned something new today and enjoyed this story. I certainly did. I guess I had never really dug deep into the origins of the Ripple of Hope speech. And yeah, I found the entire thing really interesting and it made me love Bobby even more than I did before, (laughs) if that was possible. So make sure you are following me on Instagram at Kennedy Dynasty. Please rate and review if you enjoyed this and I will talk to you guys next week.
I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of the new Medal of Honor podcast from Evergreen Podcasts, brought to you in partnership with the National Medal of Honor Museum. In each three-minute episode, we'll learn about a different service member who distinguished him or herself through an act of valor. We'll include stories from the Civil War to Iraq and Afghanistan, and from all branches of the military. We'll talk about service members who were overlooked for the medal at first due to their race or religion, and about those who were celebrated at the time. We'll hear stories of soldiers like Audie Murphy, future Hollywood star who mounted a burning tank to hold off German infantry in World War II. And people like Dr. Mary Edwards Walker, a Civil War Army doctor and the only woman to receive the Medal of Honor so far. Learn about these heroes and more wherever you get your podcasts.